You're listening to Rock, Pop, and Roll. Welcome to We Are the Rock Pop and Roll Podcast. This is episode number 23. Today, we are unearthing, we are going back, some of the lost tracks, the great history of power pop in the United States and elsewhere, going back to the 70s because we can, and telling some stories and checking out some music that you may have forgotten about. Rock, pop, and roll. This is a band called Big Star. One of the first power pop bands credited with. They were from Memphis, Tennessee. Formed in 71 by Alex Chilton, the name you would probably most recognize, Chris Bell, Jody Stevens, Andy Hummel, all in the big star bands. Don't lie to me, this one was from their debut record, an album called Number One Record on the Stax label. Didn't sell well. Distribution issues, but the legend of the record outkicked its airplay and sales. Rock, Pop, and Roll Podcast, the episode cranking out the power pop sounds. There's a lot of bands that fit the genre. Now this, this is kind of a, this, this podcast is like a teaser, a primer, if you will. Go down the rabbit hole, a journey into the power pop rabbit hole. Some history, some not so talked about bands. We're going to dig into some things. We're not going to be completist. We, uh, that would take a series of podcasts, but we're going to give you uh, the sounds of guitars bashing and harmonies and banging drums. Cheap Trick may be the biggest of this genre. Still doing their thing, playing Surrender and the rest of their great catalog live. The Raspberries had Go All The Way, widely thought of as an early power pop hero. Matthew Sweet did the sound better than almost anybody did back in the 1990s with tunes like I've Been Waiting, Sick Of Myself, Girlfriend. Don't you need to- Podcast two, three, four. I love it. This podcast is far from definitive. We could do ten episodes on the history of power pop, but let's dive into some of the music and artists that you might like. This is going to be fun. The rock, pop, and roll podcast. Donnie Iris. Do you remember the name Donnie Iris? He's in Pittsburgh. He's still playing the occasional rock and roll show. There have been rumors about a new Donnie Iris album for half a decade, if you follow such things. In July of 2021, Iris' first four studio albums were finally reissued, remastered, 
in CD form on a label called Rock Candy Records. Each album contains a bonus track from his uh, 1981 live uh, EP that was called Live at the Paradise in Boston. Donnie Iris. Do you know where you might have first heard of Donnie Iris but didn't really hear or didn't know that it was Donnie Iris back in 1970 with a number two hit that he wrote? He's got you where he wants you. called Jaggers. Rapper. 1970, The Rapper. Donnie Iris was also in a, a late version of the Play That Funky Music band, Wild Cherry, back in the day. His first album, though, was called Back on the Streets. It was released in July of 1980. The, the, the single that first started receiving airplay, he got airplay in Boston and Cleveland in Pittsburgh, Kind of the places where you might expect it. Uh, he, Boston was like this new wave power pop town at the time. They, you know, the cars were from Boston. A lot of great power pop sounds came out of there. Cleveland with the record label. Pittsburgh, the the hometown of Donny Iris. MCA Records signed him to a five-album deal. Re-released the album in October of 1980. And the first single... It peaked at number 29 on the Billboard Hot 100 in February of 81... The album reached number 57. This is the Donny Iris song that you're going to remember. It ain't no use. We're headed for disaster. Our mindset, no. But our hearts are talking faster. Leon. Here we go song that uh, listen to with headphones on bounces back and forth guitars and vocals and drums ear candy oh yeah the follow-up album was called king cool credited to donny iris and the cruisers it was released in august of 1981 and the single from from that record reached number 29 on the Hot 100 charts, number nine on the Top Tracks charts. There was another single after this one called My Girl that got some rock radio airplay, but the, the follow-up single was the uh, was the second time you would have heard from Iris. you know about Donny Iris, one of the power poppers that I dig. There was another one called uh, another guy, Marshall Crenshaw out of Detroit, best known for his song uh, Someday, Someway probably was the one you would know. Hit number 36 on the top 40 in 1982. His story was Marshall Crenshaw played John Lennon in Beatlemania for a long time. He left that show in 1980 made his debut album. Rolling Stone called the album one of the 100 best albums of the 1980s for whatever that's worth. The single was a nice little candy uh, candy kiss of Someday, Someway. Someday, Someway. Certainly had that Buddy Holly influence, and he did not uh, 
shy away from that. Uh, we'll tell you about a, a song he had on the flip side. One of his more well-known, by, by fans anyway, one of his more well-known songs was, it, was one called Cynical Girl that was released as the uh, debut album's third single. The song did not chart, still plays it live when he goes out and plays. Uh, he was he, he, Marshall Crenshaw, did you know this? I, he was touring with the Bottle Rockets. So the Bottle Rockets would play the opening set for Marshall Crenshaw, and then they would stay on stage and be his band. And uh, if you look on YouTube, that thing that they rocked. Bottle Rockets and Marshall Crenshaw. The this third single, the song was called uh, "Cynical Girl." Digging into power pop, some of the stuff you may have missed, may have forgotten, may still remember, may love to turn up. Marshall Crenshaw's second album was called Field Day in 1983. It had a bigger sound, bigger production, because mainly because the producer was Steve Lillywhite, who was U2's producer. He also produced Peter Gabriel's uh, his third solo album in 1980 that went to number one in the UK. And during the recording of that album, he helped discover how to create that gated reverb drum sound that became the sound of Phil Collins' solo career. Uh, Lily White also produced Boy, the debut album of, for U2, produced October and War. He produced The Simple Minds, three of Dave Matthews' biggest albums in the 1990s, but in the 80s. He, uh, he did work for Marshall Crenshaw. Whenever You're On My Mind was released as the first single from the Field Day album, and that big drum sound... Crenshaw said, this was, this was the quote from, from Marshall Crenshaw, Steve had a lot of input on that. That's the big fill in the middle of the last chorus of Whenever You're On My Mind. And that was his idea. The drums are big. This is the Rock Pop and Roll Podcast, Digging Into Power Pop, episode number 23. Marshall Crenshaw. That, that was not really... I don't remember that on the radio. That didn't do well for him. 1985's Downtown album featured a rootsier sound. He, he worked on that one with a producer named T-Bone Burnett, made just before Burnett uh, started working with the Bodines on their debut album. Uh, Marshall Crenshaw in later years... He co-wrote the Gin Blossoms top 10 single, Till I Hear It From You. This is Rock, Pop, and Roll, the podcast. We have a companion to the podcast. It's called Rock, Pop, and Roll Radio Show, a Spotify exclusive. Find it on Spotify with a search. We'll also link it in the show notes. Stories, full songs, just like a radio show. We can do that on Spotify now. Check out the full-length shows, one hour of music and conversation about the Rolling Stones, about Prince, more shows in the pipeline, because you need... Don't you? More rock, pop, and roll in your life. Thanks for listening to the Rock, Pop, and Roll podcast. Power Pop, turn it up. We're going to. Here's the history of a little known, but oddly influential, stay with me here, roots-rocking, power-popping guy named Phil Seymour. 
1967, Phil met fellow Tulsa musician Dwight, uh, Dwight Twilley. They both had gone to see the movie A Hard Day's Night. They started writing and recording together, and by 1974, Seymour and Twilly had signed with Shelter Records. You might recognize that name. That was Tom Petty's first uh, record that, uh, label that he was on. They formed the Dwight Twilly Band. I'm on Fire reached number 16 on the Billboard Hot 100 charts in August of 75. Fun little record. 1980, Seymour signed with Boardwalk Records and released his first solo album called Phil Seymour. So this is Dwight Twilley that you're listening to. Seymour put his own album out. And at the time, he also was providing some background vocals for Tom Petty on a couple songs called uh, American Girl and Breakdown, somewhere in the mix. Precious to Me was the first single from his solo album. Written by Phil Seymour, made it onto the Hot 100. It was a top 30 song. It was uh, hit number 22 in March of 1981. Has a little of a yacht rock sound to it. So Phil Seymour, in April of 2020, a record label called Sunset Boulevard Records released "If You Don't Want My Love." It's an album that features some previously unreleased recordings. The title track of this "If You Don't Want My Love" re-release, unreleased recordings. The title track was written by Phil Spector. And John Prine, I think. <laughs> I know, right? They, they, how did they do that? If you don't want my love. 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 Well, I know who. I'll give it to. If you don't want my love. If you don't want my So, I mean, you can dig, you can dig and dig and find a lot of power pop stuff that, oh, yeah, that, that's good. That's, I mean, that's not award winning, but hey, John Prine, right? We're doing a deep dive right now into power pop as uh, we're, we're, stay with Phil Seymour for a, for a second here. Stay with me. In the downtime between his recording deals, he worked as a session musician, played drums uh, for a band called 2020. They had a self-titled first album back in 1979. The Knack had come out in 78. Uh, so there's this this huge swell of, of power pop, a road for power pop bands to take because labels wanted to sign them. This was before The Knack uh, crashed and burned and too much of My Sharona blew, blew the whole thing up for a while, at least for a lot of these bands that glommed onto that sound. 
the knack had come out. There were bands like the Plimsolls, the Romantics had sprouted. Uh, and this band, 2020, one of the players is still in a band. If you look him up on YouTube, the Long Players Band is a, uh, a cool little uh, outfit that, that, that does cover tunes. But Phil Seymour played drums for the band 2020, a forgotten band with some familiar sounds. So let's get into them. I'll just give you a little taste of 2020 from their debut albums. A little song called Yellow Pills. Another song that they had uh, was called Sherry. Had that LA sound, right? That, uh, that pop, rock, power pop sound of the late '70s into into 1980. Uh, Phil Seymour is the guy we've. Had. This whole podcast is not about Phil, but we're kind of down this rabbit hole. So I want to give you another thing we found out about Phil Seymour. He had a hand in the. You, you know, this sounded like LA, right? He had a hand in the early '80s club scene out there with a band called the Textones. Now, if you don't know who the Textones are, it's all right. The band had future go-go bass player. She was playing guitar, I think, at the time in this band. Kathy Valentine was was in this band. Uh, Singer-guitarist Carla Olson, the leader. He, uh, the two of them added some guys. George Collins on guitar, Junior uh, Tom Jr. Morgan, uh, Joe Reed. Phil Seymour then played drums for the Textones, and they were the critical darling for a couple of albums. They even had the original. This is rough. Right, so this is uh, this is not the smoothest sounding uh, song version of this song that you're going to hear, but they had the original of the Go Go's uh, song "Vacation." They wrote this. You can hear it, right? They eventually signed to a, to a record label, and in 1984 uh, released a, an album called Midnight Mission and uh, had some contributions on there from Ry Cooter. Gene Clark played on it. Kind of a mix of country and rock. It sounded... W- much better produced than that. That album came out, and then they had an 87 follow-up called Cedar Creek that was both excellent and forgotten. And the text tone, they fig- they figure into the the new Bob. Bob Dylan has a new box set, a five-CD set, collects his outtakes, alternate versions, live and rehearsal tracks from the 80s. Okay, this is Dylan from the 80s, Empire Burlesque, Shot of Love, those albums. The set is called Springtime in New York, the Bootleg Series, Volume 16. So uh, tracks from 1980 to 85, the fifth and final disc features his version of a song that he initially gave away, a song called Clean Cut Kid that he gave to the text tones, and then he's he's recorded it for himself. Here's, I like the text tones version of it. What they did, they took 
a key lone justice vibe to that. But that's a Dylan song. This is Rock, Pop, and Roll, the podcast. Artists who get lost in the talk of power pop. Uh, playing a couple of them, and there's another one. that. Then we're going to get into somebody that I think you're going to dig. But you should dig this. Artists who get lost is a guy like Washington, D.C.-based Tommy Keene. He had no radio hits, but he was an influence. He worked and wrote with the Gin Blossoms, with the Goo Goo Dolls. He had a Paul Westerberg vibe about him. He was a little more pop than that. But I wanted to just give you a Tommy Keene song. I felt Tommy's passed away. Um, No hits. But if you dig into some of this sound, he's there. I scream. Tommy Keene, look for him. Look up some of his stuff. The albums, they're all right. Find his live, his live stuff on YouTube. Rough and raw, playing a Fender Telecaster. This is Rock, Pop, and Roll, episode 23, Power Pop. Pub Rock was the British precursor to Power Pop. Pub Rock, some mainstream bands, They would spend months in the studio perfecting their recording, not pub rockers. They just wanted to go in, record, capture the live sound, and it was a struggle for them to do it, but they did it on the cheap. Uh, Influential, but not necessarily huge, right? But there were some names that came out of that. Actually, the only top 20 single uh, from a pub rock band that came out between 72 and 75 when it was big. There was one top 20 single, and this is a slicked up version of pub rock, uh, but a band called Ace and How Long. Remember that on AM radio? Are you old enough to remember that on AM radio? And actually, I, I, I kept it in here. Just a long guitar solo, Steely Dan esque guitar solo. But there was one band that came out that had the roots and the vines encircling a lot of great music that came out of both England and America. There was a band called Rock Pile, a super group of pub rock veterans. Uh, the band had Dave Edmonds, Nick Lowe, uh, Billy Brimmer, uh, Terry Williams on drums. And here's the history of, of that band. Edmonds had recorded a 1972 solo album that was called Rock Pile. He, he returned to, to do more studio work, and then one of the artists that he produced was a band called Brinsley Schwartz, which was a pub rock band, the biggest probably, most well-known, coming out of the UK. They were led by Nick Lowe. The 1974 album that they released was called The New Favorites of Brinsley Schwartz and included the original version before Elvis Costello got his hands on 
the version of what's so funny about peace, love, and understanding. It's the only That's the template for Elvis Costello. That's a great song. That's what. A, that's probably one I'm thinking. That may be one of my ten favorite of all time songs. What's so funny? Nothing. Rockpile ended up recording on each other's solo work, and actually, Rockpile toured in 1976 and 1977 as an opening act for Bad Company. Edmonds recorded a 78 solo album called Tracks on Wax 4. It was the first album to be a completely Rockpile album. He sang, it was his name, but it was uh, Rockpile the band. A year later in 79, they recorded Edmonds again on his solo record, Repeat When Necessary, and also was the backing band for Niccolo's Labor of Lust album. Uncredited as a backing band on uh, Edmonds' hit, Girls Talk. It was a top 20 hit and was also uncredited as a backing band for Nick Lowe. In his top 20 hit, Do You Remember Cruel to Be Kind? Co-written by Lowe and Ian Gom, who used to be in Brinsley Swars as well. Initially, Lowe said, quote, The inspiration for, was a song based around uh, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, a song called The Love I Lost. The bass line was the same, Lowe says. We loved that Philly disco stuff from the 1970s. Another great AM radio single. In 1980, Edmonds made a solo record called Twangin' to complete his contract with. He at that time he was on uh, the Swan Song record label, which was a a Led Zeppelin uh, record label. So he was done with his contract, and that finally allowed Rockpile to make an album as a band themselves called Rockpile. Seconds of Pleasure was the was the title of the record. Their name was on the top. It was released in the fall of 1980. Uh, a song sung by Lowe was their only charting song. Went to number 51 on the Hot 100, but it was played on MTV and later became a hit for 38 Special. Brian Adams had a version. Now's the time to teach me everything. Teach you, teach you, teach me They were still working. They they uh, were Edmonds' backing band for his his solo record Twangin', which came out just six months after this record. So they were they were busy. Uh, featured Rockpile on nine of eleven of of those tracks on Edmonds' Twangin' album. The AllMusic.com site great reviews. They said a review in their review of Seconds of Pleasure. The great thing about Seconds of Pleasure is how these Nick Lowe moments dovetail with 
Dave Edmonds pile driving rockers. They complement each other. They create a unique rock and roll album that's inspired and informed by the past, but lives in the moment. It's just a fun record to listen to. Play that fast thing one more time. mentioned the name Ian Gom. Remember Brindley Schwartz? Pub rock band. He had a hit. He had a hit too. He was a rhythm guitarist for that pub rock band from 70 to, to 1974. And then he went out on his own. He, he also toured with Dire Straits. He was the guitarist when they toured on the Sultans of Swing tour. He released a, a single in 1978. The album was originally called Summer Holiday, retitled in the U.S. terrible name Gom with the Wind. But he did have himself a terrible name, right? He did have himself a top 20 hit. For so long. Reached number 18 in the U.S. For so long. Listening to the strangest stories. Wondering where it all went wrong. For so long. For so long. Pop, power pop. I love it. Cheap Trick, The Knack, The Romantics, Nick Lowe, Dave Emmons, Dwight Twilley, Phil Seymour, The Textones. There's so many more. After the critical backlash of My Sharona, though, with The Knack and 79, record companies stopped signing the power pop groups, but they still existed. The music's positivity with the melancholy of the lyrics that lives on. Power pop didn't die. It's too simple a story to say. I disappeared. Thing is, power pop is more influential than it gets credit for. Listen for it. It's the sound of sun poking out of the verses of melancholy, cutting through those clouds with some sweet, hooky guitar, rock, pop, and roll. The yellow SUV is now the enemy. Looks at her average life and nothing has been There's bands, there's all kinds of bands. Blink-182, Bowling for Soup, Green Day carries on the tradition. You can find a lot more. There's a band, Nick Pointed and the Complicated Men. I love, I found them as I was doing this podcast. They have a song called Upper Hand. I could tell we would make it for miles without missing a beat or faking a smile. You took me somewhere that I never Hundreds of bands. I tell you, a good place to find to listen to Power Pop if you, if you do like such a thing. Sirius XM has the Underground Garage. That's uh, Stephen Van Zandt curates that, and uh, a lot of a lot of that rock and roll Power Pop. They do a really good job with it. Take a listen. Thanks for listening to the Rock Pop and Roll Podcast. Subscribe to Apple. Uh, subscribe to us on Apple. <laughs> what is he talking about? Subscribe anywhere you get your podcast. How about that? The Apple Podcast on Stitcher. Uh, where else can you get it? 
Spotify. You know the places. I feel like I have to tell you, though. I feel bad if I end the show and don't say it. Tell a friend about the podcast, would you please? They can subscribe and download it wherever they get their podcasts. We have fans in, I counted them up, we have fans in 32 countries. Thousands of subscribers, not millions, not hundreds of thousands, but you're part of a crew that I think digs what we do. And thank you. You can email us, rockpoprollpodcast at gmail.com. We're at rockpopandroll.com. That's where all the episodes are. That's where you can find out more. You can just go there and you can subscribe there. See, I don't even have to say anything other than go to rockpopandroll.com. Although I do want to tell you, we can give you a little secret here. You want to find me on Instagram? It's got nothing to do with rock, pop, and roll. At Rock Rob, R O C K R O B. You'll find me on pop, uh, on the Instagram. Kind of see the other side of rock, pop, and roll, the part we don't talk about. <laughs> I give you permission. All right, one last fact. We don't get out of here, and we never get out of here until we tell you one more thing. In 1979, Nick Lowe, we talked a lot about Nick Lowe, he married country singer Carlene Carter. Carlene Carter is the daughter of country singer Carl Smith and June Carter Cash before June Carter was married to Johnny Cash, so that makes Carlene Carter the stepdaughter of Johnny Cash. You can hear Carlene Carter and some of those power pop pub rock influences on an album called I Fell in Love. She had the single. The title track was released uh, 1980, 1990, 1990. The album, I shouldn't have that straight, right? 1990, the, the album was released. Song reached number three on the Billboard Hot Country Singles and Tracks chart. But when I listened to it, yeah, it hit the country charts based on her name and her lineage. It was written, produced, by Tom Petty band members Howie Epstein, Ben Montench. Yeah, it hit the country charts, but I hear power pop. I hear Nick Lowe. I hear pub rock. So to play us out, here's I Fell in Love by the great... Carlene Carter. I'm Rob. Be good to each other. Let's rock, pop, and roll again. I'll see you next time. Tried to visualize what's wrong with me. Got me hypnotized and cannot see. Boy, you really got me. and roll wherever you get your podcast and find all the episodes at rockpopandroll.com